Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, it's Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and welcome to another episode of Be Unique's Unscripted, where we talk to artists, musicians, performers, and business professionals. My name is Tony Taylor, I'll be your host for this evening. You know, you could spend your Thursday nights anywhere, and we are excited you're spending it with us. The conversation is cool, it's calm, and it's casual. You can also be a part of the conversation by dialing 516-418-5651. Now, before we begin, let's talk about why you need to get on your phone and go to BeUnique.org. That's B-U-N-E-K-E.org. Here's what Be Unique is all about. Our mission is to work today to change tomorrow using digital mediums to connect the world with professional storytelling and media production. We work to educate, inspire, and foster positivity and creativity worldwide through video, audio, and a spectacular literary magazine featuring writers from around the world. The newest Be Unique magazine is out right now, and you can read it online along with Be Unique Brevard magazine, the Space Coast premiere magazine. Be Unique is also a media powerhouse. Not only do you get this incredible podcast hosted by me, Tony Taylor, but 11 other shows. So sit back, get comfortable, and get ready to dial 516-418-5651 with your questions, comments, and whatever else you may want to say. Let's meet our guest. All right. Good evening, everybody. It is Thursday night. It is 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time in Radio, listening to Be Unique Unscripted. My name is Tony Taylor. I'm the host of the show tonight, and tonight I'm very, very, very excited to announce that we have Celise Rivera. She is an author and writer, and she's originally from Puerto Rico. She considers herself a queer, God-loving, and social justice obsessed chica. She has published articles, poems, and stories in magazines, anthologies, and literary journals, as well as books. Her favorite genres to write are in the young adult, nonfiction, me- memoir, and poetry. In her free time, you can find her reading too many books, spending time with loved ones, or playing with her red dog named Ketchup. All right. Welcome to the show, Celise. How are you? Thanks, Tony. I'm excited to be here. All right. Well, I'm excited to have you. First and foremost, let me just say that um, on my list, you are one of the most monumental people in the world. Because you have done what I have dreamed of doing and hopefully will be doing soon, and that is published a book. Not only just one book, but two books and one in the works. So um, thank you very much for taking time and being on the show. Um, my first question right off the bat, and I'm sure everybody's uh, you know, questioning, is how did you get into writing? Uh, well, that's, that's a whole story. I can definitely do that. Um, but first I want to slightly correct you. Sorry to correct you so quickly, but I actually have um, published four books. Four. Uh, it's just that I've only published, yes. Um, it's just that I, I think the ones I showed you were just the most recent ones. Uh, so I've published one tr- th- traditionally and then three self-published, and now I'm working on my next one. Uh, but how I got into writing, I mean, how far back you want to go? You want to go as back as me writing stories of crayon for my mom to read? <laughs> I do. I do, because I think that's important, because we have a wide range of ages here. 
And um, I would love to have you talk about the moment that the writing bug hit you. Oh, gee. Uh, well, I definitely was writing stories like that uh, with crayon and when I was very, very little um, and just making stuff up or uh, – I would accidentally plagiarize. Like I'd read a story and I would just change the character myself in my own words and think, oh my gosh, I wrote a story. Uh, but that's that's not real or correct ethically. Uh, but I do remember one of the most poignant memories was writing um, a spinoff of The Cat in the Hat for a, for a little project that you I had wrote in elementary school. You wrote a sequel to Dr. Seuss's <laughs> Cat in the Hat. Oh, you. Oh, you must talk about this. You must talk about this. Please, Dr. Seuss, oh, one of my favorite authors oh. in the world. Cat in the I... Hat, a classic. <laughs> Please tell us your sequel well, plans for the story. Also, hopefully, uh, copyright-wise, it's a good thing I didn't publish it. But uh, that, it was that's, really that's, just... that's a good idea. <laughs> I... I really was. I was in middle school, I think, in second grade, and it was just about the cat in the hat losing his hat, and he <laughs> had to go find it. And I don't remember where, but I'm sure it rhymed. And by the end, it was happy, heavily ever after because he got his hat back. And that is <laughs> that was the story. That is the um, cat without the hat. Me, <laughs> the cat without the hat. Yes. That's um, right. That, that's me. <laughs> So, yeah, no, but really, honestly, that was the start of everything because right. one of my teachers caught on to maybe what you were, that this was very creative for rewriting and put me sure. in this special writing class. Really? When I was, like, in third grade. Yeah, it was, like, in, where and everybody else was doing, I don't remember what, what class it was, but it was, like, once a week we would go instead of music class or instead of art class, we would go to this writing class and we had this like journal that every week we had to have something in it. It doesn't matter if it was a poem, if it was something that right. happened, if it was fiction or what every week, you know, I would just write something and sometimes I still plagiarize things. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course but, that's uh, by accident, right? Of course that's strictly an by accident. accident. Yeah. I had and no these idea. things don't, you know, like, wow. it's, it's not, it's not something you uh, are obsessed with doing. It's just, it just, you know, just absolutely. No, I definitely don't do that. I'm super big on fighting correctly <laughs> now. Yeah. No, <laughs> no um, but eventually I found, you know, what really, what my real writing was. Um, you know, I, and I remember once I was in middle school, I started a, a series. It was really, really corny. It's called The Notebook. It was just a girl who wrote in a notebook about a crush that she had, and somebody found it, and then a whole bunch of teenage drama happened. But my friends liked it, and every week oh my I God. would try for every once in a while. I'd write one more chapter, and then they would pass the notebook between themselves and read about the next chapter of the notebook. I think I wrote, like, four books. And oh, my gosh. Really short, and they were all very silly. Oh, man, I haven't thought of this in so long. Uh, but, yeah, that was my first uh, little fan base, I guess, other than my mom. And... <laughs> Eventually, from there, I got to – my first time actually getting published was when I was in high school. I wrote a poem. Okay. And it was called The Woods. Yes. And I wrote it in one of my English classes, and my teacher, my English teacher, she loved it so much that she encouraged me to submit it into an anthology. It was like a mm -hmm. high schooler's anthology of local right. uh, schools. And the – 
actually, no, I think it's like the East, it might have been the East um, or, or New England or something like that. And so it was a couple of us from the class who submitted and some of us got chosen. And uh, so that my poem called The Woods was published. It was based on a nightmare I had where uh, something happened to my brother. Um, so, and then, um, like in the in the poem, the the nightmare came true or something like that. Uh, but he was okay in the end. But um, that was the first time I was published. And from there, I studied a bachelor's in English writing because right. I had no idea what to do. But I was writing, so <laughs> I did that. Um, and you know, and of course, I was always journaling and writing in diaries and things right. like that. And right. when I was in um, starting college into high school. I went to a Christian camp in Puerto Rico, and this was really kind of, for me, this is something spiritual that happened to me, Uh, whether this was luck, who knows, coincidence, I don't know, but I remember the youth leaders went, um, they invited people to come up and be prayed, you know, pray with the leaders, and I went to one of the random lines, I didn't know the youth leader I ended up getting paired with, uh, but he just, like, you know, he's like, okay, let's bow our heads, and we started praying, and then midway through the prayer, he just stopped, and he was like, I don't know why, but I feel like God is telling me that you're meant to be a writer. Like God, oh, wants, wow. that's what, why God put you on this earth was to write. Um, and and then he, the youth leader was like, and I don't know like how how, how you can start, you know, journal or something, but you're, there's something about your writing. And I've never met this, this youth leader before. I saw him from afar, you know, and I, as far as I knew, we didn't have each other. We, I wasn't in his group. I didn't do any of his workshops. Like we, maybe one of my friends was in his class in his group, but why would they have told him anything about my writing? I didn't even know if I remember telling anyone about my writing. So it was really very spooky, but kind of a God moment for me. So definitely that helped guide me in college and creative writing classes. I did my, um, you know, my bachelor's, and I uh, did some mission trips that led to, through my denomination, that led me connecting to an editor uh, for uh, the Social Justice Women's Magazine for my denomination. Right. Um, it's called Just Women. That was the first time I started getting published in magazines, or, or around that time. Um, it was one of, at least the first time getting published in a magazine, that was something I was really passionate about. Uh, because I think in college I had done an interview, I mean, an internship for the Citrus Hall of Fame, the Florida Citrus Hall of Fame, and they had helped me get uh, co-write uh, an article about the uh, Florida Citrus Queens. Oh, okay. So I, but it, it, as you can see, there is a bit of a theme that I started realizing, which was this passion for, like, social justice and, like, um, writing about um, – these things that I was really passionate about, like issues and things like that. And somewhere along the line, you know, I was, I started, I, I did, I was doing a blog during that time. It was, so what, I'm a Christian teen, which was just me being very sassy about all the issues in the church that bothered me. Uh, like, um, you know, like, like the love, I, I think I remember one is like, love your gay neighbors and things like that. Um, right. Just always, always pushing that little controversial envelope. Um, and then eventually I got to the point where I um, was going to graduate college. They had a literary magazine. I got, um, I had been working on my senior thesis, which was a memoir about figuring out my identity as a Latina. Right, uh, but also be but raised in the continental U.S. Right, because I'm Puerto Rican, uh, right. female, and born 
from the Puerto Rico on the islands, but then raised in Massachusetts. So I started writing my memoir there. I got a couple of the the chapters, which actually were short, like short slash nonfiction stories. Right. They got published. And eventually from there, um, I just started, I, I did my master's and I kind of moved away from writing for a while. Uh, I okay. did a mas- my master's in social work. And I'm rambling a lot. You can talk. No, no, you're, this is great. This is great because it's it's just introducing you to everybody listening, and I think that's wonderful. You know, I noticed a pattern, you know, when you were talking earlier about how supportive your teachers and people above you were. How important was that to your writing? Oh, very important. That um, has actually been kind of my encouragement for this last book I've written because every book I've written I've dedicated to a different subset of people in my life and definitely um, I've been really focused on remembering all the people who've been super supportive for me in my writing Um, my my actually so the book that I'm coming out with now is a novelette I'm really into short form writing I've yet to write like a full length like what like not the number of words that would be a novel but this novelette is just it's a little longer than a short, short story, but shorter than a novella. And it was based on one of one of my most supportive writing partners, which was actually my high school ex-boyfriend. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> ex-boyfriend. Yeah, so back when I was okay. in high school, yes, ex-boyfriend. Um, he's still a friend of mine, but when we were in high school, I was kind of, with all those creative writing classes, because I did take another creative writing class in high school um, after everything, you know, elementary school being in the writing groups and having that situation happen at the Christian camp, I kind of became a little cocky for a while. <laughs> right, right, like, right. Such a clever writer. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so smart. And so one day I was kind of bragging and saying, I could write a story about anything. And <laughs> I was oh, kind of scaring can. him. Okay. And he was like, pretty much, that was almost exactly probably the words he said. <laughs> no. Hey, believe me, I have not met him. I just want to make that uh, go on record. I, 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 I believe it. I believe it. Okay, um, thank you. So, yeah, no, he said something like that. He was just like, oh, really? And then I was like, yeah, give me anything. And he said, macaroni and cheese. Oh. And I just stared at him. And, and, and I probably thought the same thing, too. I was just like like a talking macaroni and cheese? Like, what? <laughs> and he kind of just shrugged and was like, you tell me. And so I accepted the challenge, and I wrote a short story about this mother and daughter who, um, so the story's broken up into different portions of the daughter's life as she grows older, and every difficult moment in her life, her mom would make her macaroni and cheese. And that was kind of like how my mom would help her cope. And they would sit down and eat together. And her mom would like, you know, she would talk out things with her mom and her mom would help her figure it out or at least just have, be someone to, to listen to. And um, I'm not really giving, I'm giving away the ending, but you kind of know this already, even when you start the story, but um, by the end. Oh, it's please. Like, Let's, we got to have an ending. So, so yeah, yeah. It's like, so basically the, the gist of it is, here's this person who's always grieved with her her whole life over this meal, using this meal, right, as a method of coping. But what do you do when a person who always grieves with you is the one that you're grieving for? And that's kind of the ultimate premise of it. And so macaroni and cheese became a whole symbol, right, and uh, and like a motif, a metaphor, whatever um, you want to call it. But I gave him this story. I'm like, here you go. And I I think I impressed him, honestly. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, you're impressing me. Uh, and you know what? The, the the story is so touching in the relationship between mom and daughter. Um, it almost sounds like a good premise for a film. So maybe maybe <laughs> that could be an avenue you could explore. The the world is my oyster, right? You never that's know. right. That's right. That's right. Now, now yeah. how Im- how important is your spiritual life to you? Oh, it's very important. It, it guides everything I do. Uh, I'm I'm pretty liberal, pretty progressive in it, but um, my my I always say my met my life motto is to do as much good as I can for as long as I can and try to leave this world at least a little better motto. than when I entered it. It's a great Thank motto. you. And that's kind of what guides me with my writing. Um, you know, so I, I told you how like, I did all that writing. Um, but once I finished my master's was when I actually got my first book deal, which was through a small publishing company that Amazon owns called How Expert. And it, I, it was a guide on how to become a social justice advocate because I'd gotten really into social justice, justice advocacy during my master's as a social worker. We'll, we'll talk about and that for a little that, bit. What, what, what social sure. justice obsessions do you have? So I'm very passionate about um, things like, um, you know, like uh, equality and equity for right. any minority, any is oppressed. Um, so, you know, um, so racial minorities, ethnic minorities, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a feminist, uh, LGBTQ plus rights. Right. Uh, so, like, very eco-friendly, so, you know, mm-hmm. caring about, like, sustainability, um, you know, immigration issues, all those things, um, right. disabilities, people with disabilities, and mental health. I'm very passionate about that as well. So, definitely. But, but when I did the guide, I kept it generic because I wanted anybody across any issues to be able to learn how to have a voice. And right. I... So, so I started from there, and, I, and that was the book that really put me on the map. So the reason why when you Google my name, um, I show up as an author is because of that book. That was wow. the that got me on. That's amazing. How, how, now let, let me ask you this for a lot of people listening and, and maybe a lot of them wanting to be writers. How did you get yourself into the position of writing that first piece, that first piece, in particular, the book you just mentioned? How difficult was it to sit down and do it, or is writing something that is just occurs naturally? I know that I, I have to really. I, I usually write in the mornings because that's usually the best time for me, um, and that's when you know things start to flow. But I mean, how difficult was it for you to sit down and write that first book? So surprisingly enough, it was a little difficult because before that. Everything I had written was very, very short in terms of like a blog post here or um, an article there uh, or that one poem, right? And it would just be like, here's the deadline. I would write that little piece. I'd have plenty of time to edit it and then submit it and everything. But this was the first time that I had something lengthy. Um, I think it was like 15,000 words or something, which, which to me was right. a lot compared to writing. You know, 1,000-word blog posts is very different from 15,000 words. Um, and at first, I was very excited because I actually got the, the deal through um, Upwork. They were looking for authors, to new authors, to um, promote this opportunity to. And so I, I got the deal. I actually had to get, convince them a little bit um, because this was an idea that they hadn't done before. And once I got well, the deal, well, I was very excited about the deadline. Uh-huh. 
What was the idea? That what was the they justice, hadn't done uh, before? A guide about social justice. Oh, okay. So they okay, yeah. So they hadn't yeah, explored that. Usually genre. the guides. Okay. Yes, exactly. Usually their guides are more like how to play this game or how to oh, okay. you know you know stuff okay. like that. How to become this kind of career, that sort of thing. So they gave me this deadline. I think it was like three months. And during that entire time, I had to figure out like, you know, where, like, like, how, like they gave me the guideline to outline, okay, this is the kind of style I want to do. And they, they gave me the, the, the points of like, okay, you know, break it up into these many chapters. Or you're going to start into this, 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 you have to do these many words, whatever. Here's the deadline. And once I actually had to sit down and write about it, at first, there's certain parts that would come out really easily, but then eventually I would get to that point where it's like, okay, what else can I add that that's of value? Um, am I really wording this right? Should I go back and start editing, or should I keep writing the whole thing through? And I, you know, start I started second guessing myself, and it went from writing for fun to, hey, I gotta write to get this right. payment and to right. meet right. this, you know, this commitment I've done that is not as easy to me as the ones I've done before. And so for there was a minute there that it was like I, I did have to kind of grit my teeth and get through it. <laughs> but I was very proud of it, though, afterwards. Um, and, you know, having we're going back to talking about all the people who supported me. Um, I think my mom was the first person to read the whole thing through and all give right. me her feedback. Um, you and know, what did mom think? Publishing. What, what did mom think? I mean, she liked it. She um she, I think she was, she was you know, just proud of me that I that I got uh, had written a full book. Uh, she had seen me, you know, writing stuff since I was little. Uh, she still jokes that she's like, oh, I've read everything you've ever written in your entire life, which is not a hundred percent true, but <laughs> right, <laughs> but for right. Most things, yeah. Um, and then over time, yeah, like you know, I had to get other people to help me edit it because it was such a small publishing company; they didn't have um, a formal editor to give me, so I had to right. kind of find that on my own. Uh, thankfully, I had like English writing friends, people who you know who had who had studied bachelors and like me, so who could help me out, and um, other friends who could just or like my mom, for example, to give me kind of like a overall just outsider's point of view, like because I wanted that book to be for anybody who who wanted to read it, and like anybody could read it and and have at least a a place to start for social justice advocacy. Um, and yeah, so then, uh, and then eventually that that got published, and it, you know, went from there. And then from there, um, I realized I wanted to try out the self-publishing route, and that's when I did my next book, which was a poetry chapbook. Right. And how how have you so have you have you um, do you enjoy self-publishing? I mean, self-publishing. Can you explain a little bit about self-publishing and how that works? Sure. Yeah, there's definitely there the two different you know monsters you know traditional traditional and self publishing, and I just realized you know there's pros and cons of both, and I decided which one I wanted to go more with. Um, right. So self publishing, the route I went nowadays is I mean it's a lot easier than before, and you can go through, through Amazon and publish something. Um, I also use Draft to Digital, which is a distributor for. They started with eBooks. Now they're working on. They've gotten into audiobooks and print books. But they basically, okay. you, you do. They they give you, you know, like um, here's where the give us the book description. Like you, it'll say, hey, this word document has to be formatted this way so that we can break it up into chapters. You can then choose the design of what it looks like on the inside. Obviously, you have to have your own book cover, that sort of thing. Um. They can give you an ISBN number, or you can get it yourself. 
and then what you would do through um I can't remember the name, but you can Google it, just, you know, buying ice cream. Okay. And, um, and, like, you can only do it from one place online um, and in the United States. I just forgot. Like, I can't remember the name. Um, and, obviously, you, you want to copyright the book um, right. online. You know, copyright book. I can't remember the link either. Oh my gosh, it's blinking. But you can all, you can Google it all. It'll tell, There's really only one main place to do either of those two things. Um so those are, you know, kind of just more like the legalities that you have to do. But once you do all that, the steps of the design and all that, um, and get the manuscript uploaded and the book cover uploaded, um, Drop to Digital will ask you where you want to distribute it. And you can distribute it to library um, apps like Hoopla or um, to other, you know, you can do it to Barnes & Noble's um, right. book through there. You can do it through Amazon through there, but um, I like to upload it separately to Amazon because I also do the print book through Amazon for most of my books. Right. And so, you know, there you can decide the price, what countries you want to um, allow to be published in. Um, at least I know for sure Amazon does that. And then you can upload it through there and, up, and then publish it. And that's kind of what I've been using the most to digital and the Amazon sort of for the print. I did try... Um, do, I, I did. I'm not try. I did do audiobooks as well, but I do them through Audible. Okay. Um, and thankfully, I have a friend who has his own recording studio, and so I do my. He records me there doing my own uh, books, audiobooks. I've only done the poetry book and my memoir. I haven't okay. done my my most recent which was fiction. I haven't done that yet, nor the book that's come out yet. But I will be doing that, and I'll also put it through Audible. And that will distribute it to a couple different places. Um, I think I chose Audible and um, iTunes. I would, so those I would like stick with Audible. Audible, my, my wife is a complete Audible fanatic. So, yes, yeah. Audible is a great outlet. Um, can you, you know, for those that are listening and, uh, and, and, and are considering a writing experience, can you list what you think are the most vital qualities to being a writer, a full serious writer. I mean, there's obviously the the creativity aspect of it, right? Um, just it, first of all, you I mean you, you have to have that calling. I think to, to some degree, if you want to write, you can write. Like, you know, there's that, right? Then I think there's the desire to to put you know, the desire, the drive to actually make it through whatever it is. Right. Um, so, you know, creativity and the drive, the motivation. Uh, and it doesn't matter how long it takes you. Uh, you know, it took my, my memoir took like five years. I started when I was in college and then I, I don't think I finished it till um, COVID happened. <laughs> and that was in quarantine. I was like, I don't know, nothing to yeah. do other than work from home. So, you know. Yeah, and a lot of time, um, yeah. Yeah, so the creativity, you know, the motivation – um, for sure, and the networking, because I think without that, you can't really get the book or the writing to go anywhere. The networking is where you find opportunities to write, but also how you, you, you know, you have to say it takes a village, right? Because that's really what it does. Um, you know, when I've done my books and I wanted to, like, self-publish especially, I needed that that village. I, I got, you know, my beta readers, uh, people. Would, you know, people to to read my book before it was published. Right. Um, once I wanted to go be friends, I would find those people on social media. Um, I 
joined uh, during COVID a writers group, a local writers group um, online. And from there, that's actually where I met my editor, who I use for my, um, who's bilingual. It was perfect for my memoir, which is in Spanish and English. And um, thankfully, I had a friend who was already a graphic designer who did the, the cover. But see, but it's through that, that sort of networking and even just talking to the own people you know in your own life, seeing what resources right. you have in your own life um, to be able to pull from all that. And like I said, that friend who, who, who helped me with the audiobook as well. Um, so the networking, the creativity, and that motivation, I think those are like the three top things that at least every – in that in that order in that order um creativity i think has to come first because how else would you write it uh (laughs) you get that spark of the idea and the motivation to finish whatever that idea is and then the networking to actually get that idea out there right um let me ask you this do you do you have a designated um do you have a designated time you force yourself and i maybe that's the wrong word that you sit down to write that you make time for? Do you have a designated time, I mean, during the day that you dedicate to writing? I know that sounds like a silly question because, of course, you do because you've written four books. But, I mean, is it important to force yourself to, to sit down and write? I mean, do you still find yourself doing that? Or, again, is this just something that you just, it just, comes naturally to you and that you you just sit down and write because i know i i i gotta i gotta write in the morning and um sometimes mm-hmm. that's very difficult because i have a job and um mm-hmm. you know i'm getting ready for that but i mean it's hard sometimes for me to to, to make that dedication into uh into having you know a designated time do you do that yeah um I think every writer has to have to some degree that time. Um, and I wouldn't know if I would use the word force, maybe yeah. more just make time Some for it. Right. I, I do get what you're saying. Cause I, I did have to force myself a little bit when I was writing that first book. Um, I think it just, it depends though, because you know, I think you have to have a little bit of the natural, the natural right desire to write that natural, the words come to you, but sometimes that doesn't start until you've already kind of made yourself right. down and try to write something. Um, but with each of the stories and each of the articles I've written, there are some topics that just, I, it would just flow out of me like word vomit. And there were some that I had to sit down and really think and really have sometimes write a lot of crap before I could dig through and find the, (laughs) you know, right. Um, that was a terrible metaphor, but you know what I mean? (laughs) So I, um, right now, not so much, but before I used to always write at night, like oh, maybe okay. yeah, exactly. honestly, like eight to nine something or eight to ten because I, one I'm a night owl. Um, two, I used to have a job um, where I worked at a I worked at a, a post secondary school, and it, I, we had classes from the morning to the evening, and so I would come right. in. Um, I was in the student service department. I would come in later in the morning and then stayed till the evening, so I could be there for both the morning and the evening students. So that right. kind of allowed me to home in the evening, every, you know, everybody had already gone to bed at home and I could sit, you know, um, sit down and write and then I could sit in a little in the morning because I didn't have to go into work until like 10. So that's how I used to do it. Um, and that was how I, when I wrote my poetry book, that's how I was writing my, my, my book then. But once I got to 
the other books I'd written, for example, my memoir, um, that was a little different um, because I had already written most of it when I did right. my my college my my college thesis. So that was more. I, I did use that same time period, but it was more for editing. Um, and then later, eventually, once I got to, for example, my novella, which is the last book I had published, um, that one I actually just happened to have a period of um, being unemployed um, because I had um, I was no longer at the school and I wasn't at the job that I'm at now. So I had this like two month period of time where I kind of just got inspired and I was just writing. I think I actually wrote the first draft of that book all in one weekend. I don't think I slept oh, too much. Wow. I just kind of I, in I one weekend. Wow. One weekend. Um it, I would stop and eat and take out my dog and, you know, I'd go to church and then I'd come home and, and I kind of ignored everybody else in my life and I just I, I think I told all nighters. <laughs> it just came it was like so it was, it was very like Stephen King like <laughs> Right, right. Um, I think right. we had one book that he did something like that and I never had anything happen to me like that before um that one was not like pulling teeth at all that came out like 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 the word vomit um but but the sitting down to force myself to to edit and stuff that actually eventually um you know took a little bit of like okay every day I got to do something if I want to get this done because I had gotten a new job offer and I wanted to get the book published by the time I started the job so um yeah and then now I have kind of a weird schedule and so I write every – this is kind of awful, but I only write, like, to sit down and do, like, a whole day of writing every other week um, okay. because I don't have as much time as I do as I did before. Um, but the way I kind of compensate for that is I always I have, like, a notebook app on my phone that just whenever I'm out and about and I get inspired, um, even if it's just, like, a line or a random paragraph or something, um, I will just write it down there. It doesn't matter if I'm on my lunch break at my work or if I'm in right. line at CBS <laughs> or if I'm You're writing. sitting in my car. You're right. Right. Yeah, you know, even if I'm sitting in my car waiting for someone, you know, like I'll just write it whenever I can. And then later, once I get to that dedicated day, I'll go back through those notes and put them together and actually make something that makes sense. <laughs> and you, so and that's the writing that I would have loved before. Well, I tell you what. I mean that that is that is what and 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 that's that kind of answers my question I was going to ask. I mean, do you feel that? And this is the way I feel. Um, I have to write. Do you feel like you have to write? Yes. 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 If I go too long without writing, I start to get very bitter. Um, yep. <laughs> and yep. I feel like I'm not doing. This goes back to the Christian camp experience. I, I'm not doing something that I was put on this earth to do. Right. Um, it, it feels like, um, you, you know, I, I, I love dancing. That's one of the other things I love to do is dancing. And I used to, I used to be a Zumba instructor. Um, <laughs> I used to be in high school <laughs> okay. musicals in high school. Yeah, like dancing was my other passion in life. And okay. I, I was like, one day I sat down and I thought, if I had to give up writing or dancing, which would I do? And, and? I, for a while there, I didn't know what it would be. And I ended up saying I would have to give up dancing. Because without writing, it's like I can't. It's like living without breathing. It's like living. Like, what's the point? <laughs> like writing is that. <laughs> uh, how um, I hear it goes it goes back and forth. But how important is it for writers to read books? Oh, I mean, I think that's very important. Um, reading books is what 
inspires me a lot of the time. Um, my memoir, for example, I I mean, I had to read both because it was part of my senior thesis. Um, I wrote a bunch. I, I read a sorry, I not wrote. I read several different multicultural um, literature books because uh, about having that intersectional identity, right? Uh, being right. Uh, from one culture, raised in another. Um, that sort of thing, and I was inspired by so many different authors and writers, um, and it was reading those stories that gave me ideas. Uh, for example, um, the way I had written it um, in my memoir is actually a bunch of short, like, slash nonfiction stories, and I put them together and, and made this memoir, um, but the, I got that idea from um, Sandra Cisneros' book, uh, The House on Mango Street which is like a mixture of fiction and nonfiction, and she wrote it in a bunch of little short stories. Um, And if I hadn't read that book, I wouldn't have had that idea. Um, And I think the more you read, the more you can not just be inspired, but start to discern what for you defines good writing and bad writing. Like, you know, if you read a book and you think, wow, this character is really flat, I don't want my characters to be like that, then you learn something. You know what I mean? Do you believe in doing, um, like, backstories with your characters? Oh, yeah, sometimes a little too much. Um, no, think, no, no, that's, I think that's, no. No, that's, that's important. Please explain. No, yeah, no, I mean, it definitely is. Um, I think you get into the danger of, like, rambling on and on and on. Um, but I had taken this workshop, and um, – I think her name was Carrie Evelyn. Uh, she had done like an online workshop for that writer's group I mentioned. And um, so that author, one of the things she said was an idea of, uh, the idea that she suggested was to do like um, almost like a little, like like character biography or like a, like a mini little outline to yourself with not outside, like outside of the book. Like what does this character look like? What are, what are their hobbies? What's their favorite color? What do they like to eat? What's their, what's, what kind of music do they like? Uh, where were they born? You know, who's, who's their family? All these things. So that way when, then you, when you're writing the story, especially if you have a lot of characters, you have something to reference if you forgot something. Even if you don't put any, like, all the details in, you can right. go back to that and you can catch yourself saying, oh, wait, I said this person had brown eyes here. Now I said they had green eyes over here. Like, and then right. when you're double-checking it, it's like, oh, wait, no. Or if you're like, hey, I remember this person's favorite color is yellow, you know, maybe I can incorporate that more in, in their outfits or the things that they choose or whatever. Um, so those are like the little details. So when it comes to the bigger backstories, um, I, I think my tip, the thing that I like to do is um, not give everything all at once, but to intersperse details throughout. Um, so, you know, I'm not, I don't start the stories like once upon a time, so-and-so was born here and then they, <laughs> you know, then they move here and all that stuff. Um, I like to start stories usually in the middle. Uh, obviously not my memoir, because my memoir no, I started from when I was little. That's, that's, <laughs> and, that's interesting to me. That's interesting to me. You like to start your stories in the middle. Yeah, in the middle of the action um, or in the middle of a certain scene. Um, a perfect example would be with my novella. I, I just realized I haven't said any of the titles of any of my books. Um, so Single Riders, a YA novella, was the last book I published. And it's um, about these three te- queer teenagers who meet in a single rider's line at an amusement park, and they each have different situations in their life going on, and by meeting together they and getting involved in each other's drama is actually kind of how they find the solutions to their issues um, with each other's support. And they they bond over being queer, but that's not actually the reason. Like, their main issues are all about other things. Um, so that book, it's 
starts, you don't know why the characters are in the single writer's line. Um, you don't know that they're each of their stories yet, um, but it starts with one of the characters about to um, get paired with, um, you know, when you're single, do you even know what a single writer's line is? I don't know how much no, you know. Um, no, but um, I'm willing to learn. Okay. So a single writer's line is like you go to the amusement park, you don't have a group with you, or you don't care if your group gets broken up. And so you go in one line, it's single writers, and then the other line is where every, everybody else goes. And okay. once you get to the part where Got you're it. about to get on the rock, if there's like three people and they need a fourth person, then they'll grab someone from the single writer's line to join. And so um, in this case, one of the main characters um, is about to get paired with somebody from the regular line because that person doesn't have a partner and she recognizes them and she's trying to hide from them <laughs> because, um, she, because she know, this person's going to give away the reason, like she's hiding from her family and okay. person, she knows them from her personal life. This person's going to give her away. So she tries to get the next person in line to take her place. And <laughs> as that's all okay. happening, being out details, like you don't know at first why she's freaking out about the, the about the person, but through the details, um, you know, as she's in line, as she's uh, walking to the guy, as she's you know putting away her her headphones and her phone, you're picking up little details. Like she's listening to a sports podcast because she's really she's an athlete, um, which you find out later. But those are little like little, um, you know, they say like the eggs in the story that you find, right? Easter eggs that you find. Um, you know, she's doing that. She's, she's, she's really bitter in her mind about a fight that she had with her sister, which is the reason why she hid from her family and went to the amusement park in the first place. Um, she's, it's, you know, she's talking about, she notices it's, it's like a, the weather, it's a Sunday morning or, and through that you realize, oh, she's skipping church actually. And then she, here's this guy and she sees the guy, like the parents who are with him and you find out, oh, one of the guy, the parents of the guy is actually the the pastor from the church. So there you're getting the whole story of how oh, why she's there. Okay. And you're finding that all out. It doesn't start from the beginning like here I am at the amusement park, I'm skipping church because my sister and I had a fight and now <laughs> I'm getting a guy, he's the son of the pastor and they're going to give me away to my parents for skipping church. Yeah, I don't say that all at once, but you get that throughout that whole first chapter. Um, right. And through all those little details, I just get like interspersed. So that's what I mean. And so it was the middle of the action because she's about to get paired with the guy. It doesn't start with her okay. having a fight with her sister. It starts with her skipping church. It starts with her about to get on the ride. Um, and then she pulls in that next person to try to take her place. And that next person is the next main character. And each chapter actually alternates between these three main characters. But that's kind of, I think that gives you an example of what I was talking about, starting the story with the action. That, no, that, 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 that's interesting because you, you place your reader right in the middle of the action. And then, of course, that, you know, that inspires interest. And then from there, you can go into the the details of the characters. And uh, I find that extremely fascinating. That is fascinating. Thank you. Uh, um, Tell me about – I had a question. I had – you ever had that where you had a question and it just disappears? Um. (laughs) Every day. Good. I'm glad it's not a, some unnatural phenomenon. Um, the question I was going to ask was, if you could tell your younger self um, about what you're doing today, um, would anything be different? Would you change any of the experiences that you had or were, you know, because of course you were talking about earlier, you've always been writing. 
But I mean, is there anything mm-hmm. that you would do differently growing up than for you today, or do you feel like you've been right on track with where you're at? I think I would probably tell myself not to plagiarize so much. Um, <laughs> like, not, not just because it's unethical. Dr. Seuss is looking I, at you. <laughs> from the grave. Uh, no, I love I think that. Just... No, I'm sorry. I'm stuck on that. I, I, want, I want to do a movie on that. The cat in the hat loses his hat. I love it. I think it's a great plot. You're just like all my books and stories, movies, aren't you? You know, I'm sorry. I'm you know next to next to writing, my my biggest fanaticism is uh, is movies, and uh, I love movies, oh. and I've done a couple of shorts um, that I've directed oh, cool. and written. Yeah, um, but uh, I I love I I'm stuck on that sequel to the Cat in the Hat. <laughs> Because God knows anything's better than the Michael Myers movie, but um, I was literally did, just thinking did, about did not do that book justice. Oh my God, yeah, I about puked. Um, especially as a fanatical Dr. Seuss fan, um, I think one of the uh, one of the greatest books written ever is Oh the Places You'll Go. And um, oh yeah, and uh, you know, uh, but anyway, I don't know how we got on that. Words. Okay, words. Stuck on um, the cat in the hat. Um, but yeah, no, I, when I say I, I wish I had told myself not to plagiarize so much is more about, I just wish I had given myself permission to come up with more original stuff sooner. Um, and I think the other thing too, that was big is I wish I had given myself permission to write about more characters who looked like me. Um, right. And when I say that, I mean, not everybody has to be white. Not everybody has to be straight. Not everybody right. has to be cisgender. Um, because I realized over the years, you know, um, you know, being Puerto Rican and raised in the United States, I, I'm claiming both identities, Puerto Rican and American, um, realizing that I'm actually um, queer, you know, uh, both in, by, I'm, I'm bisexual and I'm still kind of going through a gender crisis, um, kind of, you know, figuring out, like, my womanhood, also interesting right. on the nine binary. Um, but all those things I realized, I'm like, one, I can explore them with my characters. Two, it's very important to have this kind of representation and visibility in literature right. and in writing and books. And so one of my passions is to make sure, especially ever since I started writing my memoir and later, you know, my fiction, is making sure that my characters um, are racially diverse. Right. And, um, gender and sexuality diverse too. Um, so, you know, queer people and people of color, um, especially when combined, I wish, right. you know, I want there to be more visibility in, in books. And so that's my, my goal with my writing. Um, and it took me a long time to actually write characters that looked like me. Um, and, and then we're can like, I, can, I, can I interrupt you for a minute? I'm sorry. Why did mm-hmm. you find that difficult? I to think write about it didn't occur to me. I think I've oh, been so okay. main, you know, like I was just, I was used to seeing it in media. I wasn't used to seeing Hispanic characters. I wasn't used to seeing queer characters. I wasn't used to seeing, um, you, you know. That, well, let's be the, honest. Not, I mean, there wasn't a lot of that in the past. Yeah, growing up, like, you know. Absolutely. I mean, now I'm so grateful for all the diversity that there is. But Me growing too. up, I didn't see a lot Me of too. that. 
and the books right. I read, especially since I've, I I love literature and you know reading Jane Austen, everyone's white, sure. <laughs> it's just tender. And, oh yeah, um, oh yeah, you know. Um, and yes, it's a it's a little you know it's feminist for its time, but like that was about it. Um, but you know, so like you know reading stuff like that, you know Shakespeare, like the the, the amount of that diversity is so minimal. And so I um. I, th- I think it just didn't occur to me until I got to college and I took that multicultural literature course and I started reading these stories and, you know, they're, you know, women, men, people who are across racial races and ethnicities, you know, um, like a Chinese American woman, um, you know, being, reading about, um, you know, being black in, in America, civil rights right. times, um, right. Reading, um, you know, uh, being Mexican American and, and the, you know that that uh, the 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 borderlines is um uh you know like the, the immigration statuses and you know just like all the you know the intergenerational stuff of the different you know um you know when you've got like the the grandparents who immigrated and then the grandchildren who only know this country there's all those things that like I've experienced and known throughout my life but I was just like whoa I've never written about I've never written a Puerto Rican character. I've never written a, you know, like I've never, that hadn't crossed my mind. And so once I got to college, my college creative writing courses, that's when I started writing um, stuff like that. Um, I wrote a short story that I will eventually um, publish somewhere um, where the main character is Puerto Rican. Um, And then, you know, obviously eventually started doing a memoir. And then now um, after my master's, when I started figuring out my sexuality and gender identity and all that, um, you know, I saw, I I did that. Um, fiction, that YA novel, um, novella, um, where the characters are queer and also queer and um, multicultural because the characters, I wanted to show characters who were queer um, but weren't just cisgender and weren't just white. So um, one of the characters is Korean woman. There's um, a gender fluid black person um, who also just happens to be Jewish. And then there (laughs) is... uh, the, the Korean American girl is the one who is Christian and then skipping church, um, and then there's um, an Indian American girl. Uh, she's kind of kind of Diga specifically, um, and she's uh, so she's asexual. And then the Korean American girl is bisexual. So I got three different ethnicities and races here, and I've got three different um, what sexualities or genders or whatever. Um, and I think I think that's fantastic. I think that's fantastic because it opens doors to so many people that are out there that, you know, probably feel the same way you did, you know, finding a person who is like yourself, you know, and had, and adding all that diversity to your, your repertoire um, is just, is just um, an opening for people to feel like, you know, that they're people. And um, in our last few minutes, I want to make sure I get to this, and that is where can people find information on you and the books you're writing? Thanks. That's a good question. Um, my website, honestly, is the main place, um, sallyzerad.com, and since I know no one's going to be able to spell that, um, it's uh, S is in Sam, E as in elephant, L is in lemon, Y is in yo-yo, S is in Sam, Rivera, as in river, like the body of water, a as an apple, sallydrivera.com. Uh, that's always how I describe my, my name anytime anyone else has It's me perfect. Spell. It's absolutely uh, perfect. <laughs> you can tell it's scripted, right? Um, yeah. But 
Uh, I know here I am on unscripted and I'm scripting something, but anyways. Right, uh, right. <laughs> I've got all my books on there. Um, my newsletter, you can sign up for my newsletter um, and find out, you know, where, when things are coming out. Um, I'm not as faithful with my newsletters as I would like to be, but at least when it comes to things that are coming out, um, like for right. example, uh, I am finishing up with my beta readers soon for um, More Please, a novelette, which is the one that is based on the macaroni and cheese story um and that one i will soon be looking for um people to have um to read for my advanced reader copies so um if you're interested in that you can go to that website sellysrivera.com s-e-l-y-s-rivera.com and you can sign up for my newsletter and get um a free copy of that and then um also i'm mainly on tiktok because uh, i just find that fun um and that one is sellys at Sally's Rivera writes and writes like W R I T E S like writing. Um, I am on Facebook too. All my other handles, Facebook, Instagram, are just my name, Sally's Rivera. But I'm really mostly active on TikTok. Um, that's where I'll, you know, whenever that's I bring some action. ideas or that's right. Yeah, everything's like the most live that's action. Where all the action is. Well, so if, Sally, the first place you'll find out about stuff is my website and newsletter, and then after that comes my TikTok. Perfect. Well, Sally Rivera, I really want to thank you for taking time out this evening to talk with us about your uh, writing and about what it is to be an author and about what it is to harness that kind of creativity and, and make it work for you. Um, it's really, 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 to me, very inspiring. So um, I, I want to say thank you so much. And I hope you'll join us again sometime and come back and be on the show so we can find out more about what you're doing and how you're doing and how's it going. Will you promise me to do that? I would love that. Thank you. And thank you for listening to all my ramblings. Um, and oh, believe me. Bringing up no rambling. Forever. No, no, no. It's not rambling. I tell you, I, I feel like I know you and I feel like our audience has got a chance to get to know you. And that makes me want to go out and get your books. So I really, I really appreciate it. Use the pun, but I'm kind of an open book, so. <laughs> I literally want to... Oh, that's an author. Oh, that's an author joke, isn't it? I got it. I got it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen. You have a fantastic evening. Thank you so much for joining us, and everybody listening. Thank you so much for joining us this Thursday evening. We appreciate it, and we will be back next Thursday evening at nine o'clock. Miss Rivera, thank you very much. Have a wonderful evening, and we will talk soon. Thank you. Take care, everyone. Take care. Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.